Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity in Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online at creativityandplay.com and follow us on Facebook as well. Our guest today on Creativity in Play is Betsy Wetzig, movement researcher, choreographer, dancer, and originator of coordination, pattern training, and full potential learning. Betsy is also the co-author of Move to Greatness, focusing the four essential energies of a whole and balanced leader. Today we'll explore how we move through life, the patterns that organize and control our different learning and creativity styles, and the mind-body connection in all of this. Betsy Wetzig, welcome to Creativity in Play. Hello. Good to have you with us. I'm very happy to be here. Your work, as we mentioned in the intro, some of it focuses on the four basic patterns that make us who we are, ourself. And tell us what those are and why they matter for how we live and learn and play. Okay. Well, everything we do, every behavior is both physical and mental. And we have four patterns of neuromuscular, that is, using our brain and our nervous system and the muscles, the way we move, that are linked together um, by four, these four patterns. And um, they not only um, regulate the way we move, the kind of uh, quality of our movement, but they regulate how we move with our our mind. So one of the patterns, for instance, is the shape pattern, I call it. And it takes you, whenever you're in the shape pattern, you are also... In movement, you are also taken to the thinking verbal part of your brain. Uh, and you do things like uh, play violins. The way a violinist holds a violin is uh, in the shape movement quality. You do yoga there, uh, but you also think there and you prioritize and you do things one step at a time. And then to a little bit different is the swing pattern, which is the pattern of playfulness. And whenever you see any animal, including mammal, that is, including humans, in the swing pattern, you're looking at someone who's playing. And uh, the question I always ask is, how do we know dogs play? Well, we know they're playing because they're swinging. But the same thing is true about monkeys and uh, people who are also mammals. Whenever you see somebody swinging, they're playing. And it's also the playfulness is also when your eyes are in REM, they're swinging. So it's also about dreaming. Uh, So when everybody's in the swing pattern, they're dreaming. And the difference between a violin, which is very formal and about thinking and doing things very correctly, and playfulness in swing, which is a fiddle. And a fiddle, you play swinging, and it's very playful, and uh, it has completely different kinds of rhythms and ways of creating fiddle music and ways of playing fiddle music. And then there's the thrust pattern, which is the doing pattern, and that's like karate and um, um, the sprint run, driving, and uh, the the music of that is like... uh, uh, Michael Jackson's music does that. Stravinsky's music does that. It drives and it has rhythm. Of It's very strong and it's about our doing self. And then the fourth pattern is the hang pattern, which is 
to go with the flow pattern. It's how we chill out. But it's also our intuition. And I don't know if you know Ives music. A lot of New Age music is very hangy, but I hate to say that because some of the New Age music isn't very good. Some of it's wonderful, but some of it's not very good. So it can that doesn't. Unfortunately, the patterns don't make people good or bad. <laughs> it's really how, how we use it. But those are the four patterns. And when I talk about them in leadership, the thrust, I talk about drivers. And the shape, I talk about organizers. And the swing, I talk about collaborators because it's interactive. And the hang, we talk about visionaries because it thinks outside the box and it's intuitive and it tends to uh, just think about possibilities and go new ways. So... Those are basically the four patterns for, and a lot of people are educators. For educators, the thrust teachers are mentors. Um, the shape teachers are instructors. The swing teachers are coaches. And the hang teachers are your challenger teachers. So there's just different ways to think about the patterns. Betsy, is it essential to get to know all of your patterns, or or are we just one pattern? Well, no, we we are all four patterns. We we use all four patterns, but uh, we're created neurologically differently from one another. So each one of us has one of the four patterns that we do in our lowest tension level, which is also the pattern of our alpha brain waves and our creativity. And so that pattern uh, is the pattern of our awareness as well. And so when we make something creatively, we use that pattern with, and we connect it to one of the other three patterns, and that makes our style of doing So sometimes, um, I don't know if you think of, uh, sometimes people are just in one style for a great deal of their life. They might be, uh, let's see, like uh, Picasso, the kind of very shapey, thrust shape, new descending the staircase kind of artwork. And, but he didn't do just that pattern all his life. He changed. So his early work was very hangy. It was thrust, but it was hangy. And then uh, when he did Guernica, his later work, when it was thrust, it was also swingy. It's very about emotion and about the war and that kind of thing. So it's um, we use all four. That's the best way because each one of them is a different part of the brain. So if we're not using all four, we're not really using our whole brain. How did you come to these insights about these different aspects of self? And okay. Well, it started off because I was a dancer, and I was studying at the American Dance Festival for the faculty I was teaching at the American Dance Festival. And there was a special course in kinesiology. And at the end of the course, uh, Sally Fitt, uh, introduced everyone to the four coordination, neuromuscular coordination patterns. And um, I had already been asking the question, uh, both choreographically and as an artist, uh, why, like, certain, you, you could take people of equal talent and equal training, and one person was much better doing ballet and another person which was much better doing Martha Graham's work or Jose Limon's work. And um, it intrigued me. Same thing's true about musicians. One musician would be a great jazz player, but he would he would not be so good in an orchestra, of you know, a classical orchestra. And so why, the question constantly is, is, as I was a young choreographer and, and studying movement and dance and people, it, I just that was my main question, why was that? And I already had in my dance company and doing improv, I already had 
all four patterns, which is unusual because most companies just have one or two because the because the choreographer is just working in one style, so they have one or two patterns. But I I had four different dancers, all different styles, and I had four different musicians, all different styles already. So when this information come up in cl- came up in class and they taught us how to test people for it, how to do a little mechanical test for which pattern you are, your base pattern, I it just it just clicked and I started working with it and I've been using it for the last 35 years <laughs> and working with it and researching it. And this is part of the link too that you make I think with looking at the different intelligence styles as well. So again, whether it was the physical differences in the dance Right, you make those links now in the current work you do. Right. One of the things is, if you look at Howard Gardner's work, talking about the intelligences, the intelligence, intelligences are a place in your brain. Howard Gardner defines it that way. Intelligences are not styles. Okay. If you, if for instance, if you take the 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 style, or let's take the intelligence. Let's say you take the intelligence, the musical intelligence. Well, you'll find musical creative artists in all four styles. Okay, so uh, the intelligence is a certain place in your brain, and the style is the the way you get to it. How you connect, which which thing you do first, which part of your brain uh, gets linked to first, uh, the pattern, the pathway. Uh, that creates our behavior, that creates the way we do things. So the intelligence is musical, but you can have Stravinsky who does, who uses the thrust and thrust hangway mainly. You can have Ives who does hang. You can have uh, hula people who do swing. Uh, you can have, um, name the classical artists and they're doing they're using it in the shape. So you have all great artists, all different kinds of creativity using the musical intelligence, but it's all different styles. Nancy, you had told me uh and you were using an example of a, a cup to look at some of this information. I wonder if you can share that example with us about creating okay. your looking at your cup. Okay. Um, It's just something that occurred to me along the way about how the brain works and to show people how we have all these patterns and these ways of looking at things and these different intelligences all functioning in our brain and they're all different and we have, it makes all different kinds of different paradigms. In fact, we all live, even if you're in the same room with somebody else, you're actually in a different universe because of the way your brain is working and the way you perceive and act in reality. But anyway... So my little game is, if you will think for a second, what is a cup? And when you think about the cup, I want you to really, you know, whatever, how, you know, if it has a certain kind of weight, it's a shape, what color, the whole thing. What what comes to your mind uh, when you hear the word cup? So, Steve, what comes to your mind when you hear the word cup? I was picturing an upside-down um, I guess clear, um, kind of um, angled cylinder. Um, probably more, more. Um, I guess in its clearness, probably more glass than plastic. It's um, glass. I think so. Okay. That was the first thing that kind of came to me as you said that. 
ask the question. And it, is it just sitting there? Um, I guess it was sort of floating there. It wasn't necessarily on any particular surface okay. when it first came to me. Okay, but you're not touching it. No. It's 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 separate from you. Okay. Yeah. Uh I know you've done this before, but could you share yours? Well, uh, I I, I'll, I came up with a new one. Oh, good. <laughs> so in the moment, yeah. So uh, my cup was, um, it became a dragon, and the dragon was breathing some bubbles out of his mouth, and and, it, and, and the arms and legs were dancing. That was my cup. Okay. Can you tell me what color? Yes, uh, a chartreuse and a little bit of green. Okay. And um, is it heavy? Are you touching it? Do you touch it? Do you move it? Yes, I touch it, and I and I can move with the dragon cups for sure. Yeah, because he he is dancing, so I'm dancing with him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, is he light or heavy? He's light. Light. Do you have any idea what he's made of? Uh, no. Um, but he's kind of uh, spongy comes to mind. Kind of, so he's light. So he's not a. It's not hard to twirl around <laughs> with this dragon. Yeah. Not, dragons tend. I mean, when I think dragon, I think heavy. But this cup is not heavy at all. Okay. So Very if you just com- if you just compare those two cups. Okay, so each one of you have a very different idea about what a cup is. So when somebody, you know, usually when we use the word cup, you think everybody's thinking about the same thing, but we're not. We're all thinking. I mean, if I ask a hundred people, I get a hundred different cups. So that's a, this is such a common word. And every time you talk about a cup or ask somebody to pass you the cup, you know, you're, in your mind's eye, the cup is a different thing. But it also shows your intelligences. Like Steve, you have an angled cylinder. Okay, so you have a mathematical spatial, and it's and it's also comes in the shape side, shape and thrust side. It's very analytical uh, description of the cup. So your cup has is coming from that part of your brain. Part of your concept of cup is coming from that part of your your brain. And it was very interesting that it's an upside down cup because that's kind of unusual. So that that means you're 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 you know your your brain likes to go to um the creative you you like to to switch things around okay your brain you like so you probably have, which i know that's true but it you know it showed up that you like to switch things around you don't like to do things exactly the same way each time and um you weren't sure whether it was glass or not but it was clear so that's you know it, you have a very specific um concepting of, of what a cup is, okay? And then just to compare that very quickly to what Mary Alice said, her cup is is very full of swing and playfulness. And it has one of the things that the, the swing pattern has is it uses all four perception modes. It's, it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's all three, actually, visual, kinesthetic, and um, what's the third perception mode? Visual, kinesthetic... Not intuitive. Can't think. All of a sudden, I can't think of a third. Anyway, you have all the different ways of perceiving, 
all mixed together in in swing pattern, which is one of the reasons why in swing it opens it so opens up our possibilities and it enriches our mind with many many different thoughts and ideas all interacting with each other. In which that's why swing and swing helps to in the beginning of the swing process it helps creativity because it it. Uh, it, it it makes for many uh, different kinds of concepting coming to the fore, many different aspects of what reality is. And it doesn't have to be right or wrong. So, so lots of people wouldn't have seen a dragon with bubbles in a cup. I mean, it's not the ordinary. It's very playful. But you, but you also are touching it and moving it. So your kinesthetic intelligence is jumping to the fore. And uh, also... Uh, in the swing pattern, there's usually lots of color. In fact, color is one way that people who use swing a lot know things. They they color it instead of like if you're a shape person, you sort of take make you want to make things formal when you think in process. You you think how you take things out of the reality to make the, just the right form. In the swing pattern, you put things in. You're enriching. It's kind of like you're coming from your own body-mind system and adding into the creative. Um, and also, so at the beginning of the creative process, Miles Davis always said he he would always play in a night, and he would play, and he meant not just play music. He was playing with music, and he would play and play and play and play. But there was only a short time when he was really being creative, when he was really talking about the essence of whatever the ideas that he had brought up as he was playing. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the ways that he was very hang. That's very common in a hang creative person. The other end of play and swing, uh, and the, uh, the, when you finish the process of creativity and you're maybe going around the process again, uh, play helps you beco- become co- uh, competent and like Mary Alice, she was, um, this is the second time that I had asked her about the cup. And the cup got enriched. She used, she actually has starting to, to build skills and practice them about what a cup is. And in building, and, and skills in the process of creativity about what a cup is. So you can take something as simple as what a cup is and see a great deal about the way you do things, the way other people do things, and the creativity process. So sort of building on that insight, how how do you help people apply these concepts? In, you know, I, some of what you shared I think is helping us understand what they are, and I, I know that a lot of the work you do is actually applying these with people in, in all different kinds of settings. So how does that work, and do you have some examples of, how people have intentionally applied these in in various settings? Yeah, well, one way is uh, with the whole educational work I do um, in using the patterns to, because you can tell what patterns a child is using, what style they're using at the moment. Um, Most of the the styles of learning tests, um, they can't. They don't even really give them to like the third or fourth grade. Then we just figured out how to do the verbal test sooner than that. But you can tell with a baby how they're moving and what patterns they're using. And um, so, uh, and you know at the moment. The other thing about when you give somebody a test uh, for their style or their personality, you're testing what they do when they take a test. 
and so that shows up. Um, I have a I have a test in my book about what your behaviors are in in the leadership process. Well, you're it's a test about which patterns you're using in leadership. That might not be the test the pattern you use when you're baking bread or when you're talking to your husband or wife, you know, it might or your children. Uh it might be in totally different. So but at the the thing about the movement is it's always present and it always tells you exactly which pattern you're using. So uh that's one thing that educators can can use. So you can I teach educators how the patterns uh can be observed and also what they do, how how they um when how what happens when they're working well. Uh sometimes a pattern a misuse of a pattern can actually sort of become a um a block to education and learning. Uh and so how how to help children get beyond those blocks. Um and so that's education. Um I also work in leadership training. Uh, for business people and other leaders, like, of course, educators are leaders too. Um, and uh, in that, I do everything from, uh, like, in, I'm going to Korea and doing a workshop. I'm going to be working with the processes of change management. Uh, and what my piece of the whole change management thing is the organic process, because it is an organic process. It's a behavior which is both mental and physical. And if you Whenever you have to change a behavior, uh, if you only do the mental side and you don't really deal with the physical side, you're probably not going to change the behavior even if you want to because you're not really dealing with the whole behavior. Uh, and a lot of people have a weakness in one of the four patterns. And so part of what I do is train people um, how to, to strengthen their weak areas so that they can um, be freer uh, to be creative and to express themselves and to brush their teeth. I mean, you use the patterns in everything you do in your life, including the way you brush your teeth. In fact, how do you brush your teeth, Steve? Do you think you use more shape, more thrust, more swing, or more hang? Um, probably swing, I would say. Swing? Do you use any <laughs> thrust at all? Um, I get. I mean, I suppose depending on who who would be watching that and defining it. But I, I, to me, that sort of is is what I've been told not to do in terms of ruining my gums. So I defo- as I think about thrusting, brushing my teeth, I sort of think about what I try not to do. Uh huh. Okay. Well, it just you, you even talked about a right wrong thing there. So you're you're uh, controlling, you're paying attention to a correctness, which is a very shaped thing to do, and and the way you brush your teeth, and you know, like I just kind of go all over the place. I mean, you know, I'm hang and I just kind of I do swing, but I just kind of do a little here, do a little there. I figure sooner or later I'm going to hit every place, and. Um, uh sometimes uh, I was told by somebody that maybe you should brush your your tongue as well so every now and then I give it a little <clears throat> go over so it's but it's very uh sort of random <laughs> but everybody brushes their teeth differently you know it's just it all the patterns show up in in brushing your teeth um they show up in the way you have arguments they show up in every there isn't anything a human any behavior a human has that the patterns aren't there because it's the way the mind and body are getting linked together. It's what behavior is. Your way of behavior is the patterns. What does a swing argument look like? 
<laughs> That's an injury day one. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I'll tell you one thing swingers are going to do. They're going to use humor to disarm you. They may use humor even to bully you. Uh, but they'll definitely uh, use uh, some. They will often, not always, but that's one big piece of of, of swing. Because they'll they'll use tease. They will tease with humor when they're having an argument, usually. And um, they will uh, also. It's going to be very interactive. <clears throat> it's going to be. They're going to be expressing feelings. Okay, and they're gonna know they're they're gonna be focused on feelings. They're gonna be focused on loyalty and disloyalty, and um, in the Jungian sense of feeling. And uh, so they're gonna care less about maybe the details or what's right and wrong. Like the shaper would be more interested in in what's correct and incorrect. The swinger is gonna be more interested in the relationship and the person, the other person and themselves as a person in their arguments. So that's one of the ways they're going to have different arguments. Betsy, can you, can, going back to education and your work, I know you've worked with all ages. I wonder if you have a story about working with uh, kids, uh, the younger kids in the classroom and with the, with the patterns and what you see. Well, story. <clears throat> I like, uh, one of the things I like is working with uh, the really little people <laughs> with preschool even and uh one of the things that i have done often um is set up different uh learning stations and i would do that with the the, the small children and and they they pretty much when they're little teeny like three four like that they go to their own home pattern a lot to to do when you have stations that are designed to use different styles different ways of doing things but then when i when I work with the kids and they get up to be about in the fourth grade, um, a different little thing happens. And instead of, like, after there was a group I did in New Jersey and uh, a school, and the fourth graders, uh, when I, I we worked in each different kind of style, drawing. And then at the end, I asked them to go to their favorite they could take home because I asked them if it was okay if I could keep their drawings from my research, and they all agreed. And then I said, but I, would you, you know, you can take one of your drawings because they had made more than one drawing in each, each station. I said, you can take one of your drawings home with you. When I asked the younger kids that, they all went to their home patterns. I mean, you know, I, I, that's what the, I, the way I do it, that's the best, you know. But the fourth graders, there was one little boy who was very swing. <clears throat> And he wanted to go get his swing piece of art, and it was really good. He was a very talented kid. And all the other little girls especially, it was interesting. There was a bunch of them were his friends. And they said, no, 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 you can't go there. You, this is the best art over here. This is what you want to take. And they were all going over towards shape at the time. And they were trying to get him to go, and he just turned around at them, and he said, no, you're wrong. This is the best over here. And he went to his swing, and he picked it up. But most of the other kids didn't. Most of the kids went at the fourth grade. And that that peer pressure kind of came in, and most of the uh, kids went to their peer. And that's one of the things I think that cuts and and some of the research points to that. That um, about that age, uh, peer pressure, and even teachers often um, will use that kind of peer pressure to control behavior, and it, it tends to shut down. Uh, creativity in the sense of flexibility and in people's 
sense that they are creative people, that they have a power to be creative. They begin to think that um, somebody else has the the right to judge them and to say their creativity isn't the right kind of creativity. And so they, they stop using creativeness a lot of times, about that age, very unfortunately. Thank you. We are at the end of our time, and we want to thank you very much for joining us. Well, it was quite fun. Thank you. Betsy Wetzig is a choreographer, dancer, and co-author of Move to Greatness, focusing the four essential energies of a whole and balanced leader. You can find more information about her at movesforgreatness.com, the number four. And you can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com and follow us on Facebook. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you for joining us.